Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. I begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the ongoing contribution they make to the life of our city and this region. Well, we're back, fit and ready to go for 2021, and another year of great conversations with the leaders of the Australian Public Service. Context is always important, and it's fair to say that we begin this new year with more than a little doubt about what lies ahead of us. But whichever way it falls, the influence and importance of the Australian Public Service to the Australian people will continue to grow. Government will be more a part of the lives of Australian citizens than perhaps at any other time since the war. And it will be the APS who connects citizens and their elected leaders through the delivery of services, policy, program and regulation. Now, aside from dealing with the ongoing challenge of the COVID-19 pandemic, cybersecurity is right at the top of the list of things we are all worried about. Who can forget last year's announcement by the Prime Minister in June that Australia was being targeted by a sophisticated state-based actor and Defence Minister Linda Reynolds' description of the persistent cyber attacks on Australia as being in a grey zone that blurs the line between peace and war. Now, while COVID-19 has presented many public health challenges, it has also forced more people online. More people are and will continue to work from home. More people will be spending more time online and our once secured computing services are now being moved from a server to the cloud. The Australian Cyber Security Centre estimates that there are an average of 100 and 64 cyber crimes each day, while some suspect that that number is well underreported. Now, in the face of all of this overwhelming and persistent threat, the Australian government has invested heavily $1.7 billion in the national cyber security strategy, with investment in workforce, skills, partnerships, technology, industry engagement, research, innovation, and of course, with defence. Now, while one of the key mantras of cybersecurity is that it is everyone's job, someone with a little more responsibility than most is Hamish Hansford, who is the first Assistant Secretary of Cyber, Digital and Technology Policy Division at the Department of Home Affairs. In this role, Hamish leads Australia's cybersecurity and cybercrime policy, the online harms policy, which includes countering terrorism and child exploitation, encryption policy, as well as technology security policy. He has had a long career in cyber and in security, and he joins me in Studio 19. Hamish, welcome to Work With Purpose. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Happy New Year. Likewise. 2021, (laughs) it's going to be great. Did you get a break? I did. Got to get down the coast for a little bit and then back into it now. How... How do you decompress? Because this job that you have, when you line up all of those things, it's a, it seems to me that it would be a job that your phone is never too far from your hand and you are 
always on. That's right. 2020 was a, a pretty big year for cybersecurity and uh, I delivered a, a range of things with colleagues across the Commonwealth and it was pretty busy, but it's always good to take a break at the end of the year and as you, you judge by the news cycle, it got pretty quiet over Christmas, so that was a good thing compared to last year. Yeah, but how do you manage yourself during those really hyper, you know, activity periods where it is so, so busy because we, I think we do have to think more about mental health and looking after people and really being able to maintain what is such great pressure when you consider, you know, the the sorts of pressures that you're under. Exactly. I think that it's really good to start the day with exercise. It really changes your mental um, focus and agility throughout the day. Uh, During a a crisis, it's really good to focus on and consistently revisit your priorities to make sure that you're focusing on the right things and and pushing things forward. But you're right, it it is a bit of a challenge. Hmm. What about your teams? How do you manage your teams when obviously there's pressure on them to deliver as well? Exactly. Really looking at mental health, encouraging, motivating, making sure that people are really um, okay in the workplace. And where you do see fatigue, you you have to make a conscious choice to rest people despite the priorities that might exist. And and really looking out for each other and working as a team, I think, is the best way to go. And and COVID-19 demonstrated that in abundance. We tried to do new things, working on things from shutting down the Australian border for the, the first time right through to trying to prevent PPE from leaving the country. So we did really new things and and touching base more often, particularly those working from home. One of the ways we we tried to touch base was have a really quick meeting every day via video conference or teleconference just to make sure that everyone was working on the highest priority issues. We were connected and making sure that everyone was okay. So how did you go with working from home? Did, did Did you work from home? I did. I did bits of working from home and it was uh, challenging trying to manage a a two-year-old and a a 10-year-old, both homeschooling and and it was great that in Canberra daycares didn't close down, so it was a bit more of a balance. But I think you you change your working hours somewhat and you change your working style. You you really got used to having people have kids scream in the background at the end of a video conference and and it was a a different way of working. But how did it change you? How do you? What do you take from 2020 into 2021 that's going to make you a better leader? I think um, the agility to change to different priorities, I think that, that's a really defining feature of 2020, dealing with COVID-19 and then in many cases doing your day job on top. Uh, I think that really, uh, you've got to be really agile and really consistently looking at the environment and and situational awareness, watching national cabinet press conferences after the Prime Minister stood up after national cabinet, making sure you're in touch with people. I think consistently communications is a pretty big theme of 2020 and and you mentioned at the beginning we all went online and and that's changed the way that we've worked um, with international partners, with industry and, and how we work every day with colleagues across the Commonwealth. Now, in the introduction, I described, you know, what you do Mm. uh, in terms of your responsibilities, but can you explain to us perhaps in plain English just exactly what your responsibility is in, in the role that you have? So I've got um, cybersecurity policy for Australia. 
uh, looking at how do you build a much more cyber secure economy. And, and increasingly, we're working on the flip side of departments like the Department of Industry or the Treasury, who are, are building the economic future of Australia and a more digital Australia, including Prime Minister and Cabinet. And we're looking at the flip side of how do you make a, a secure um, digital economy into the future? And how do you try and make Australia with so many people more online and so many businesses online and engaging with the rest of the world? It's great to have such prosperity online, but dealing with the flip side on cyber security. Also, I also look at the um, online content, so the criminal acts that are occurring online. How do you look to prevent that? And the Prime Minister has um, consistently said the rules in the physical world should apply in the online world. And so when you think that through, it, it it's really about an international coalition of how do you build online laws and rules? And, and that is a global challenge and one that's of particular relevance in our space with America. And, and how do you work with the, the United States government to change the rules online. And then finally, um, technology security. How do you create um, great domestic technology, lots of software developers in Australia, lots of critical technology that Australia is leading edge um, in terms of global competition? Uh, how do you build security into our technology, either from a research perspective or from commercialisation? So it sounds like we are perpetually under siege. Now, those of us who are not in the business, so to speak, probably don't see or don't see as, as much as we are. But is it as bad as those numbers suggested in the, in the introduction? That, that's right. One, in, uh, one cybercrime report every 10 minutes yeah. to the ACSC. And I, I really think that that's a, a good insight into the volume of crime that, that's occurring online. And cybercrime, you only need to look at your emails and the malicious links that you get from cyber criminals to realise that it, particularly during COVID-19, when, when there's so many people online, it's a really easy way for criminals to earn money and, and target Australians. But it, it, it just seems to me to be such a big problem. So how, how well on top of it do you feel that Australia is? How, how well prepared or how well are we doing in, in the war, in, in the cybersecurity war? Well, I think you mentioned at the beginning the um, $1.67 billion investment by the government. And that, that really, um, when you looked at cybersecurity in Australia, one of the big policy issues that the government was considering this last year was around critical infrastructure. So how do you, how do you build cybersecurity resilience into our really critical things that make our economy function? So uh, the, the government's introduced legislation into the parliament to really focus on uplift of critical infrastructure security and that should have a, um, assuming the parliament passes the legislation, a flow-down effect then onto all Australians to make sure that they have confidence in critical infrastructure. Uh, lots of um, investment in industry support, either awareness raising or uh, collaboration with industry to try and uplift um, cyber security. But, but you also mentioned, and you're right, that the missing ingredient is often you. The, the individual Australian and trying to uh, make sure that everyone is much more cyber literate, understanding what data you put online, what compromise that might uh, lead you to, to then have in, in a future life, um, make, being very cautious about not trusting either content or um, links or cybersecurity uh, known methodologies that people exploit online. So being much more cautious, I think, in, in engaging in an online world. Do you think we are becoming more cautious? 
cautious? Is, is behaviour changing? Are you seeing that behaviour change? I think uh, naturally when you see the volume of uh, particularly cyber crime in, in your inbox, I think people are becoming pretty suspicious and, mm. and criminals are, are becoming increasingly sophisticated and, and pretty quickly use the COVID-19 experience to change a lot of their scams to have a COVID-19 theme and, and timed it really precisely with um, some of the announcements by governments around the world, and in, including in Australia. So they're pretty entrepreneurial and um, I think it, it's really difficult sometimes to work out the difference between a scam or something that has criminal intent and a legitimate advertisement from a company or a legitimate warning from a, from a, a bank or a telecommunications company. Mm. Now, I'm interested to know, because you did, you did reference the, the, that $1.6 billion uh, package and the national cybersecurity strategy and all of those components that went into a you know, a, quite a complex package that was all put together. From a public servant's point of view, operating as you were remotely with all of the challenges of consultation and both with industry and overseas and everywhere else, just how hard was it to maintain, you know, that work pattern and program to be able to ultimately deliver, the, you know, the strategy and the, and, and the program? I think, uh, you know, any whole of government effort is often... Uh, quite difficult, but actually, uh, in a kind of a perverse way, having to move online meant you can do more meetings. You don't have to uh, factor in travel time. You can get out and talk to industry representatives. And we had a an industry advisory panel chaired by Andy Penn, who I know has come to IPA before and given given a talk. and And connecting with him virtually was much easier than trying to uh, go to a different state. So. Perversely, I think we actually spoke to a lot more uh, people across government and a, a lot more industry representatives, particularly with the critical infrastructure reforms that we could um, talk to 3,000 people about the new reforms that the government asked us to, to deliver and uh, really lots of town halls that we hadn't done um, before online and you see lots more engagement. People are often more willing to write questions yeah. than uh, speak up in a large group. So I think in a, in a kind of a perverse way, we had much more engagement than we perhaps would have otherwise. And into the future, you'll obviously retain a lot of this work practice that has been developed through 2020. I think that that's right. You do miss something having face-to-face -face communications, but you, you can cover a lot more ground and the amount of um, podcasts and webinars and town hall meetings we've done online mean we get a much diverse, a much more diverse view and we can reach much more people at uh, a fraction of the cost than yeah. travelling across Australia and indeed internationally. So it's fair to say you've got a better outcome? I think, I think that's right. I think we, we spoke to more people, so we had a, a richer evidence base uh, yeah. for some of the reforms that we developed last year. Excellent. Now, um, I know you're a keen listener of the uh, Work With Purpose podcast, but one of the features of, of the podcast is that we hear from uh, members of the IPA's Future Leaders uh, Committee, and I've got a couple of questions here for you, Hamish. And the first of those comes from Jack Milne, from the Attorney General's Department, and Jack asks, you have worked in a range of roles and held leadership roles throughout your APS career. How can we embrace mobility throughout our career and how can we create a workplace culture that supports it? So I got some uh, pretty early advice from some senior mentors and, and they, they indicated you've got two paths in the Australian Public Service. You can either stay in um, one department or agency or one field and specialise 
or take the opportunity to move around the public service and really get to understand how government works from multiple perspectives. So I started as a, an APS2 in the National Museum of Australia almost 20 years ago and since then I've been in nine different departments or agencies across the Commonwealth and I've always learnt um, new things and, and met lots of people across the Commonwealth in lots of different agencies and I think that's helped me build a, a strong understanding of government and a strong understanding of um, lots of people across government and a good network. Uh, it's really interesting, um, Bill Gates has recommend, recommended one of um, the books around, it's called Range, it's around about how do generalists actually advance economies and governments and, okay. and society and, and I think I've taken a lot of inspiration from that book around um, how, do you, how can you be a generalist with um, specific knowledge to be able to succeed and I think that's one pathway but equally other people have different specialisations and, and they're equally as valid. But you, you, when did you discover security because that seems to have been a, a theme? Were you a security guard at the National Museum of Australia? No, no, I was a, I was a, a tour guide there and it was a fantastic <laughs> job and, and one that you know I'd recommend for anyone. But then I moved into transport security and then did a, a national security role in Prime Minister and Cabinet and then picked up the same theme in Attorney Generals from a criminal justice perspective and then worked on the National Broadband Network and went up to Parliament House for a bit and then came down and have had either um, community protection, criminal justice or national security roles in home affairs, immigration and the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission. But I suppose maybe Jack's question is, did you, did you follow your nose or were you seeking guidance all the way through or was it, gee, that looks interesting, I think I might just go over and have, spend a bit of time over there. So um, accident more than design. Yeah, I think once you get to um, know many more people, you kind of talk to people about different roles and I think I moved to interesting roles with people that um, inspired me or I liked working with. So I think I've moved from interesting role to interesting role across across the Commonwealth and it's been a fascinating career today. Do you find working in the APS infinitely fascinating that every day is, an, is a new journey, a new opportunity with great responsibility, obviously? Um, you must enjoy it. I think we have a, a fascinating job and there's so many challenges out there for society and to be a part of that um, at the moment in cyber security and um, digital and tech policy but throughout my career I think working on issues that actually impact Australians and, and being at the the forefront of some of the great policy thinking in the public service has been both a privilege but also something that I don't think you get to do in other parts of the economy. Sure. How do you describe that satisfaction, though, of being able to work through a problem, work through the solution, seeing it in legislation, then see, seeing it actually enacted and then seeing it the impacts of it? What's I, th I think on a day-to-day -day basis you often don't um, pause to celebrate wins, but it's only at, at points like Christmas where you look back on the year and say, wow, look look what I've achieved uh, and, and look how I've pushed forward a policy agenda or introduced legislation. And I think I'm, I'm up to about 20-odd um, pieces of legislation that I've helped the government support through the parliament. And you look back and say, wow, they're all different and fundamental changes in their own ways to so many different policy problems that impact Australians and, and Australian lives. Excellent. Um, okay, so the next question from the IPA Future Leaders Committee is from Michael Sinesi from PwC. And Michael asks, how have you seen the APS come together to respond to the emerging challenges that recent times have 
necessitated, particularly relating to cybersecurity and critical infrastructure. And what are your key learnings from this that we should apply moving forward? I think um, the public service has come together last year during COVID-19. We've collaborated in, in new and different ways, and it's equally true in cybersecurity and, and technology policy. I mean, cybersecurity and particularly technology is such a defining feature of our society, and it's a defining feature of government that technology, whether or not you're in the tax department or social services, thinking about citizen-centric um, technology, whether you're in home affairs, thinking about security and criminality, whether you're in industry trying to promote domestic industry technology issues, or at the very heart of government in a, a critical critical tech policy office, or even a diplomat trying to promote um, technology related issues, I think the public service comes together on, on particularly on new and emerging issues and collaborates in a really productive way. Obviously, there's a lot of different perspectives, and, and I think the the great value of the public service is how do you how do you have those constructive dialogues? How do you challenge each other? And in cybersecurity and technology, I think we do that. Every, every day of the, the year. And um, from my own perspective, I'm co-located with the operational part of cybersecurity, so with the Australian Cybersecurity Centre. And to have the policy and the operational people co-located, we feed off each other every day. And, and I think good policy is informed by great operations and great operations are informed by good policy. So uh, I think the collaboration's been fantastic and, and something that the public service does well and and should do uh, better into the future. And I think technology can be a great enabler of that. Mm. So that's a, I think that's a key focus really. And I know from the Chief Operating Officer Committee, uh, from the Secretary's Board, you know, it really is a focus on, well, how do we bottle the best of 2020 mm. and take it forward? How do we not just revert to the way that we're, perhaps we used to do things? So mm. what would your advice be as to how the APS can continue to evolve, continue to improve and continue to collaborate more effectively? I think we have to continue to break down agency barriers and think about problems. So just like we thought about the supplier of personal protective equipment to frontline officers or Australians during COVID-19, that was the issue. So how do we break down agency barriers and try and use the best of what each agency brings to collaborate on problems and issues? And I think that's the, the challenge that David Thody set out in his review about um, agencies not operating in stovepipes. How do we try and break down those barriers and actually try and support the, the government and work across agencies, um, even when things aren't necessarily in our lane? How do you try and, and be a great steward of the public service? I think that's the great challenge that 2020 uh, really defined us and mm. and we should continue that into the future. How do you, how do, you do that, though, when... You are so busy. You know, I work um, in, in many government departments and what I do see is people who are flat to the boards and with their own jobs, with their own day jobs. And so how do they get the time to, to, to think, to be able to go, actually, I need to connect with X, Y and Z to actually bring a, a fuller picture, you know, to this particular problem? I think you've, you've got to consciously devote time yeah. to networking, to collaborating, to creating the space for uh, 
really diverse thought and to, to try and force yourself in a, a structural sense. And I think working from home really helped that because you, you, you spend some time in the morning, um, often without meetings because you've reduced the commute time. So, so you can start to structure your day around actually that is thinking time and creative time. And, and But you're right, it is a, a bit of a challenge, particularly in a, a busy sitting week and with competing demands, but I think you've really got to structure it into your day to make sure that there's time for creative thought. Now, this podcast, obviously, it's about the public public service and there are many um, members of the public service who do listen to it. And, you know, with those threats that I outlined in the introduction, you know, increasingly it, it would seem that, you know, sophisticated actors are targeting government departments, whether it's in technology or treasury, as you mentioned earlier, industry, um, you know, agriculture, could be anywhere really. Um, how well are we doing as a public service with our cyber security and, and what advice do you have to public servants that they could perhaps embrace to ensure that the system of government is robust? I think um, the, the weakest link in cyber security is often an individual so really being um, much more conscious about things that are connected to the internet. Um, how, how do you start to build a culture of security and awareness uh, from every single public servant and, and so people have a, a, a deep understanding of how you engage online? Um, the, the idea in the cybersecurity strategy of the centralisation of cybersecurity uh, potentially through cybersecurity hubs I think is also a, an added way the public service will start to live the ideas in Thodi around aggregation of response, uh, particularly in terms of um, bringing together like-minded groups of people who have uh, the much-needed cyber security skills that I know the public sector need and, and the private sector as well. So aggregation of response and then really working collaboratively with the Australian Cyber Security Centre, I think, are all uh, features of how the public service can better respond to cyber security challenges. So as we sit now at the beginning of, of 2021, um, can you look forward at all and anticipate what may come this year or what can you give us as a bit of an uh, insight to the challenges that, that, that are coming our way in cyber in 2021? I think um, predicting the future is often fraught, but 2021 and, and into the future, we'll see cyber criminals be increasingly adept to um, efforts by law enforcement to frustrate their activities. Uh, they'll target vulnerable Australians who um, have been susceptible to scams. Malicious state-based actors will continue to um, conduct malicious cyber activity. And, and I think it, the, the global environment is one that has um, pretty significant global competition and, and cyber security is almost at the, the forefront of one of those great challenges. And you mentioned the... Uh, the Prime Minister and the Defence Minister in, in June last year really set up the, the issue of the war in the grey zone and, and a whole range of issues that will um, really permeate our environment and and really challenge Australians in, in really different ways. So a single bit of advice to people from here on? Uh, change your password. <laughs> Regularly? Regularly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How often should you change your password? Well, uh, I think the first thing is to make it a, a unique password, so not... Uh, password or, or something that's, that could be found by a criminal to be easily cracked, but change it regularly and, and don't have a, a single password for every single 
uh, account that you have, email or bank or, or whatever it might be. Okay. All right. Variety is the spice of life, I guess. <laughs> very good. Well, I better get I'll get onto that. Hamish, best of luck. Um, you have a very busy job. You have an important job. Um, stay well. Stay healthy. And what do you do? You mentioned before you like exercising in the morning. What's your What's your poison? Well, I went for a bike ride around the lake this morning, and and yesterday was a bit of a jog. So um, between those two, it keeps me busy. And I guess lifting up a, a two-year-old <laughs> also does those arm muscles, doesn't it? <laughs> well done. Okay. Well, thank you for your service and thanks for your contribution and thanks for making time to come to Work With Purpose. No problem. Thanks so much. Work With Purpose is part of the GovComs podcast network. And if I may allow myself a moment, the GovComs podcast, which examines everything related to effective communication in government, which is our other podcast, was yesterday rated by a leading Canadian consultancy as one of the top 21 global internal communication podcasts for the second year in a row. And we are indeed in very good company with some outstanding podcasts. So thanks for the recognition and a big thanks to the team and the guests who make that program so special. Now, the GovComs Institute, which was formed off the back of the outrageously successful GovComs Festival, is now up and running and featuring some of the 170 hours of content that was produced by 170 speakers from 20 countries. Uh, And a big thanks again to IPA for their support of that event. Uh, For Work With Purpose, Hamish is the First cab off the rank for 2021, but the team here at IPA are working hard to put together some of the great personalities from across the public service in coming weeks. Uh, If you do see the social media promotion, a like or a share never goes astray, and a review, how we like reviews. So if you do have time, that would be great. So thanks again to IPA for your ongoing support for Work With Purpose and also to the Australian Public Service Commission. Thanks also to the team at Content Group who are now back at work and helping out our many government clients create more and more content to explain policies, programs, services and regulations. The acceleration of people spending more time online as a result of COVID-19 has certainly upped the ante. But make sure that when you consume that content, you do so responsibly. Uh, So that's it for the first Work With Purpose of 2021. We'll be back at the same time in a fortnight. But for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. 